Welcome to Income for Baby Boomers. If you want to learn about exciting new businesses each week from other boomers who speak your language and have started a unique and profitable business from home, you have come to the right place. For those who would like to try some of these low investment opportunities, stay tuned. We'll help you get started in your own profitable adventure. Now with your host and entrepreneur, Ken Queen. I'd like to welcome Chris Hawker, inventor, entrepreneur, and life coach. How are you doing, Chris? Fantastic. Thank you. Super. And I know, you, of course, you have your uh, company that helps uh, inventors try and design to, to bring inventions to market, of course, is the other uh, big area for you. Um, just to ask about Trident for a minute. So if someone comes to you with an idea, Chris, uh, do you give a consult, free consultation first or is there a half-hour charge or how, how does that work when they first come to you and they don't even know if their idea is you know, good or not? Yeah, say. typically to submit an idea, it's uh, 50 bucks for someone to get on a call with one of our people. There's a lot of uh, people who spend a lot of time kicking tires and so sure. there's a little barrier to entry just so we know you're serious before right. we spend you know significant amount of time. But um, then you submit your product and you get a, a brief consultation with one of our specialists who, you know, I mean, we're just we've been de- developing and launching products here for 15 years. And so we've uh, mm-hmm. had a lot of experience doing it and pretty quickly uh, can give a lot of people you know, everything they need to know in, in a very short while, which is, is unfortunately oftentimes like, well, great idea, but not every great idea is an economic opportunity. Sure. Good, good, good idea, but it's a million bucks a piece and that won't work. <laughs> so, so that usually uh, stops a lot in their tracks. And then if, if it looks like it has legs though, um, and, and might have potential, then we, you know, do some uh, research and pro- uh, opportunity vetting, which we call a deep dive. And that'd be like the first major step in developing the product. That's a fifteen hundred dollar service. We do market research and patent research and um, a little uh, opportunity scorecard just to help people get a sense of whether or not it makes sense to invest in their idea. Because really, uh, inventing is a form of investment. What percentage of the people that submit, uh, let's say at the fifty dollar level, they call you and you look at it, you get on the phone. Uh, do you find half the ideas make it past that, or how far? Uh, honestly, uh, you know, from our end, it's maybe like 20%. Um, oh, okay. Just because, you know, we don't want people to spend money on a product or, or spend it with us if it's not a good fit for what we're up to and our expertise, and if we don't see it as an opportunity that makes sense for us either. So, okay. Um, okay. you know, we're pretty selective because we want to work on winners only. If, if all possible, and obviously we don't have a crystal ball, and, and we can be wrong, um, of course. So it's not the final word, but but we have to be selective in order to give the best opportunities the attention they deserve. Well, that that's a, a good news, <laughs> so, so that the people know that if you think it's good, then there's only one out of five. So at least they've passed that level. Now at the fifteen hundred dollar level, what percentage? Okay, you say looks like it has potential. How many of those, once you do the research, uh, make it past that level? Would you say what percentage? You know, uh, honestly, it's it's probably about ten uh, percent. You know, I mean, the reality is. Okay. A hundred percent of the people who come to us with ideas at Trident uh, come with the claim that their idea is unique in the world. 
sure. otherwise they wouldn't be here. And right. the reality is, is that uh, there's very few things that are truly unique. And once you do like really thorough research, so like when we vet a product, we have about 12 man hours by professional researchers invested in really digging through the patent landscape and the market landscape. Yeah. And this includes things like we look at YouTube channels and do it yourself sites to see what other people are doing. And very often people make the mistake of thinking just because they haven't seen something that it doesn't exist already. But the truth is you. like, just cause you never saw an alien doesn't mean there's not aliens out there. So mm-hmm. uh, you can't prove you. that something doesn't exist. You can only prove that something does exist. And so it's easy for people to, you know, prove to themselves that something doesn't exist with, you know, very superficial research. And when we really dig in, we, we often find things that once we show it to people causes them to lose interest in investing because invention is high risk, high reward, meaning, you don't want to invest yeah. in something where you don't see like really big potential. And that's often how big your potential is defined in large part by what else is out there already. So to cut down the chances of being turned down, a person should really do some thorough research before they get you guys involved. It sounds like, is that, would that be correct? Yeah, absolutely. So that their odds increase considerably. Yeah, I would I would strongly recommend before you spend 50 bucks even like spend, you know, 1 hour you know online and it's shocking to me actually the number of people who will hire us for $1500, which is a significant sum and mm-hmm. won't or haven't spent even, you know, 2 or 3 hours doing serious online focused research. They to do very superficial research because what they want to prove is that their product doesn't exist whereas our come from is we want to prove that it does. Yeah, I got you. Okay. And so it's it's actually like let's say you went to a store and you saw something on a shelf and then you came home and you were looking for the thing you saw on the shelf. Like I just saw it at the store. And even if it doesn't come up at first when you're searching, but you if you know, quote, know it exists because you saw it, then you're going to look. You're going to get more and more tenacious mm-hmm. and creative in how you're searching because you know it exists. Well, that way of searching is how we search as opposed to the searching of like, I hope it doesn't exist, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, yeah. I'm not looking for any signs. Right. So I, so I probably won't see any. Right. You're, you're, you're actively like trying not to see the signs. <laughs> right. It'll spoil your uh, vision that you're a genius. Right. You're blocking, you're blocking the answers. Okay. I got you. That's good. Now let's say, okay, it gets past that $1,500 stage. Again, I'm just trying to give people a feel, mm-hmm. Chris, for what their odds are. So they, they know the truth. So they've spent the 1500 and you, the year, they're one of the 10% that you say, Hey, this has potential out of that. What have you found generally when the person reaches that level? Uh, what percentage makes it to the next level and what is the next level uh, well the next level now you're like investing and in taking your idea and turning it into a real product that means getting prototypes made and mm-hmm. there are methods that people use where they license things without prototypes and without patents though my personal experience has been all around you know developing products putting a lot of value into them and then finding manufacturing partners um mm-hmm. We approach product development for inventors and for inventions, and this is, by the way, the exact same process we follow ourselves because a third of what we do is still, to this day, working on our own inventions. So we're actively engaged 
doing the exact same thing for other people that we do for ourselves and, and suffering the same mm-hmm. odds, by the way. And okay. So, not, so what's the cost of that level? Uh, well, so after the research, that just really depends on what kind of product complication. Yeah, I mean it, it varies wildly uh, because some people have things that are like one piece of metal, simple doodad. Other people have complex uh, consumer electronics equipment with sensors and uh, mm-hmm. printed circuit boards and logic in them, and so. Um, we're, let's say let's think of a more of a basic yeah, product. Then. Yeah. So the range here, you know, we're I'd say we're a high end product development firm as far as like the inventor world goes. Like our, mm-hmm. you know, when we work, I say we work with inventors. Typically, we're talking about funded startups more so than your typical small time, you know, everyday you. Edison, out, of, uh, out of the garage. Yeah, mm-hmm. garage inventor. So projects here start around twenty thousand dollars for product development, and you know we've done projects, you know, well over a hundred thousand dollars and, and, um, you know, prototypes can cost the prototype costs then are additional and depending on the product could be very small. Um, like, you know, a thousand bucks, or if it's a very big thing, we're working on a maintenance cart right now and it's a $50,000 prototype. So it's just depends on mm-hmm. the nature of the product. So we do product development like a manufacturer. So we're not doing like a special thing for inventors. That's a lower grade thing. It's like, this is the level. This is the final product. This is the level of industrial design that they use at places like Stanley, who we've worked with. You know, we've worked with big companies. We have an industrial design depart, you know, service that we offer to large companies and corporations. And that's exactly what we're providing to inventors. It's not the, you know, low cost version designed to you know get money out of inventors but has a very low success rate our success rate is much higher because we're doing things like companies do them and so it's launching a product like a company would launch a product and our success rate at licensing ideas that we've generated is one in three so so at that twenty thousand dollar level there's one out of three chances that's going to make it to the licensing right if, if if licensing is your vision so if you're going to manufacture and sell the product then you got to hire a factory and go from there but um you know so getting molds made things like that the tooling you know this is not a cheap hobby and um you know there are sites like quirky and edison nation that allow you to submit ideas for very low cost and then they sort of take on the development costs and the inventor gets a small piece and so that's one possible way model approach it which is awesome i mean i'm in full support of those models. Our model is like, I believe in my invention. I'm hiring a design firm to design it. And I'm going to either give it a real sincere effort to license it, or I'm going to take it to market myself. And then lately, you know, the other possibility is to run a crowdfunding campaign and crowdfunding campaigns are, you know, an opportunity to raise capital based on pre-sales of the product. So, you take it to about the same level of completion as you would for licensing and then create a crowdfunding campaign. Now, a crowdfunding campaign is itself a significant undertaking. So really, like the, the level of investment here is not dissimilar from a rental property. You know, you're going to need some significant capital mm-hmm. to try to develop and launch a company around a product or develop a product. So the risk is high because you're investing significant amounts and, you know, but it's much riskier than say a condominium but the upside potential is much higher than a condominium if it were to go really well you know condo might appreciate 
and and generate value, you know, 10% a year. Whereas an invention, you know, I've had inventions, uh, you know, where I invested $30,000 10 years ago that have made me a million dollars in royalties. And so mm -hmm. that kind of upside potential is why we take, even though it's a very risky proposition and, you know, my own odds, you know, on my own inventions are, have, are better than one in three, you know, because, uh, you know, that's, I've, I'm a inventor and yeah, I've had a lot of success because I have a knack for identifying wins. And like, as we're helping people vet their products, you know, ultimately we let them make the decision. We give them our sincere opinion, but sometimes people override us. They're like, I know you don't believe in it, but you know, I still want to move forward with my product. And we're mm -hmm. like, okay, you know, it's, it's risky and, but it's not insane. If, you know, we do it all the time. It's an investment I make all the time in my own ideas. And so uh, if someone's got the vision, has the commitment, and has the wherewithal, then, you know, as long as people are making informed adult decisions, then, then they're welcome to risk their money in this way, and it can pay off. Um, so, okay, I've got a egg turner that uh, cooks eggs on both sides. You don't have to flip it. They never break, so it's a low-tech thing. Um, am I, cost-wise, how would I compare the cost of getting that off the ground with crowdfunding compared to licensing compared to starting my own company? Well, let's say development on your egg turners all together, you know, all in between industrial design and research and, you know, filing patents and prototyping, mm -hmm. maybe you're like $30,000 in. Okay. Um, adding in a crowdfunding campaign, you got to get a video made and then you got to like build out the campaign. So in large part, it depends on how much you can do yourself and how much you have to hire someone else to do. Mm -hmm. um, for Well, let's say you're hiring everything out so that we can compare the three, uh, you know, eggs to eggs. Kind of yeah. <laughs> apples to apples, whatever. Li licensing is by far your lowest cost method because you can probably get by with just a you know printed presentation or, or pdf powerpoint thing as opposed to you know needing a video and um you know but you still need that thirty thousand development to get to that licensing level do you say that's the way we do it the way we do it is we do fully developed engineered products that are basically ready to go um our experiences with licensing is that Companies want products. They don't want projects. They've got a lot of their own projects that they're already sure. investing in that are their own ideas that they love. Right. And so if we show up with something that is more or less ready to go, all they have to do is nod, say, yes, we want that. And then we transfer the files and then they go to their factory and, you know, it's like 95 percent of the way there. That gives you an easy yes. Whereas if you come at them with like, you know, hey, this is going to be a huge task and you've got to figure it all out and we're pretty sure it can work, but we're not positive, <laughs> then it's a, a much, you, you know, they got to be really excited about your idea. And my experience is, you know, you'd have to have good, solid intellectual property that they feel comfortable they could def defend the investment. So is there any preliminary testing I could do on this egg turner before I get to the crowd? Uh, level crowdfunding level the licensing level yeah yeah i mean you can always you know talk to people who you trust initially you know get reactions from people and and when when we're, i'm testing products with my friends and family like everyone butters your bums you know like sure so it, it's tough to trust what they say but what you're looking for is a hot yes so even from someone you trust who's 
you know, predisposed to like your idea just because it's your idea and they don't want to hurt your feelings, there's a difference between the like, yes, of course I like it because I like you and the mm-hmm. yes of like, oh, my God, I need that right now. What? How can I get that? I don't care where it's coming from. I see. Well, that's good. I I, <laughs> I like that. Uh, so you're looking for that discernment of the two kind of reactions. Right, like the hot yes, the like, I, I'm so excited I can't even control myself, and I forgot that it was even your idea. It's just awesome. I need it. Now, now, now. So that's – and we get that occasionally. We show stuff to people. And I'm like, that is awesome, you know? And, right. And but that's not – I mean, even if you were to take the last 10 products that made it, how many had that awesome – response all of the ones that made it oh they all you got an often okay you got that kind of response every time on on anyone that makes it you know anytime we try to force an issue with the product where people aren't that excited about it it's led to you know disappointment when we pushing a rope yeah when we ignore the evidence when we you know we're like give us evidence then we get evidence we're like well we're ignoring that evidence then later on we're like ah we should have listened to the uh, evidence there I got you. But instead of a group of friends, if you could get a group of your enemies together, you might get a better answer maybe. I don't know. Well, you might get the opposite problem. <laughs> I hate it because it's yours, but really it's just because I'm jealous. Um, okay. <laughs> really, you're, so that doesn't work either. Your, your best person is like someone neutral. I mean, the great thing about crowdfunding is that's neutral. that the people are voting and they're not actually telling you that they like it. They're voting with dollars, and this is why. Yeah. Crowdfunding is such a powerful tool and, and really like I formed this company, Trident Design, originally to be, you know, the vehicle by which I, you know, generated and published my own inventions and then mm-hmm. later helping other inventors. But what's happened now is we got into crowdfunding and, and we're really evolving into largely a crowdfunding agency with product development as one of our core competencies. But this tool is, you know, so exciting and powerful that um, you know, we've got far more exciting demand for crowdfunding services than we've had for the invention services. So that's um, really exciting. So the crowdfunding allows you to put it up there in an almost you know real retail situation where people can vote whether or not they want the thing to exist by spending money on it. Which up until now, the only way to get that kind of data was to you know fake it or like do get stores to test things for you. And that was a complicated, awkward thing to do that only large corporations like Procter and Gamble could really afford to do. And so, you know, here you've got an opportunity to where anyone can put something up and see if people bite and, you know, not everything works in crowdfunding, but as time goes on, it's getting more and more broadly useful as the types of products that are work there are, are varying you know it used to be just gadgets that were appealing to dudes and now it's like all kinds of people buying all kinds of things okay if you were to take your last hundred crowd uh funding uh products what percentage did you use kickstarter compared to the others well we haven't done hundreds we've done a few like each one of them i'm going to say an average project has 400 man hours in it from soup to nuts so, okay. like, these are big projects. They take a lot of time to set up and run well because it's not just – How many have you done? Uh, oh, six, uh, how many have you done crowdfunding, period? We've, we've done now eight projects, and all of yeah. them have been on Indiegogo. Okay, so you like Indiegogo better. Strongly, okay. strongly prefer Indiegogo as a – Why is that? Uh, Indiegogo is extremely uh, 
proactively engaged in working with their clients and trying to generate the best possible campaigns with the best possible results and giving advice and coaching. They treat you with eagerness and friendliness and Kickstarter is basically a big black box and they don't, you know, have a, a large amount of engagement with their clients and uh, don't seem to be innovating nearly as rapidly. So my experience right now has been like overwhelmingly, you know, positive with Indiegogo. Indiegogo. Yeah, it seems that people send out product uh, projects to Kickstarter and they may never hear back or it's no and they don't know why. And you know. Yeah, it's I mean, and I admire Kickstarter. I think it's great. But just in terms of, you know, we're doing a lot of these campaigns and it's a significant relationship for us. And, and we really want to work with someone who we feel is super engaged with what we're up to. What do you think of the one, I think it was what, crowdfunder.com or whatever, where they want uh, ownership in it? Uh, yeah, well, there's equity crowdfunding now as well as, uh, you know, Yeah, just pre-sales. buying the product. Yeah, so, this right. is, so what do you think of them? Well, it's just a different model. It's like great selling equity instead of going to traditional angels or VCs. You sell equity through a crowdfunding platform due to changes in the uh, law from the JOBS Act. And um, to make it easier for people to raise money for their businesses. I mean, the, re the reason they originally made such strict guidelines was because people could, you know, steal money from people with false, you know, businesses that were raising money. And so they introduced all this legislation way back in the day. Well, there's less probability of that now because people are so much more educated and have access to information. So the Internet has allowed for the possibility of, people to, uh, you know, create equity fundraising online. But uh, you have to be a qualified investor, though. Not just anyone can invest, right? Right. You still have to be qualified at a certain level. You have to be worth two million bucks or whatever and yeah, yeah. make 250000 a year or, or some rules. <laughs> so, so that it eliminates a lot of people, I guess, what I'm Getting it. So you don't. Uh, there isn't any other one you like as much as. Is there a second one you would take? Would that be Kickstarter? Oh yeah. I mean, I'm I'm not opposed to Kickstarter. I, I think they're awesome, and we'd be happy to use them. They're just not, you know, in terms of the company relationship. Yeah. You know, been aggressively courted by Indiegogo. Um, okay. The other, obviously, there's another huge crowdfunding site, which is GoFundMe, which is right. not doing products and, and the like, but is actually, I think it's bigger than, than Kickstarter actually now. Um, I'm not positive about that, but it's certainly hugely important in terms of people redistributing money. I got you. Now, what, what do you think of going to, or have you done this at all? You go crowdfunding to see what the demand is. Now you've got 10,000 orders and then run and try to find, get it licensed. Because you don't want to run a company and say, hey, I know this works. Now I can really license companies uh, would definitely be interested now because i got orders. Is that, do you go that route or does that make any sense? Or once you've gone the crowd, crowd funding route and it works, you might as well do it on your own or, or what? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, licensing after a campaign is definitely one of your awesome options because, you know, you have much better leverage to get the product yeah. license. I mean, if, depending on your sales, you can buy the tooling, which gives you much, much, much better negotiating 
leverage in terms of getting a good deal. So you can get higher percentages, you can get higher upfront money, you could potentially continue to just own the moles and own the rights, but get them as a distribution partner. So we've done this a couple times now where we've crowdfunded products and the post game was to license the product so that we could, you know, stick with what we know best, which is developing and launching products and allow someone else who might already have product in 20,000 locations take over the manufacturing distribution mm-hmm. and sales of the product. So we did that with a quickie. We did do it with a couchlet. We helped Thing Charger do it. Um, it's it's a great option for people who don't want as their livelihood to be talking to China at one in the morning or going to trade shows all over the country. Right. Now, if you, that's what you really want, you're like, I want to be a captain of industry and I want to be going to China. Mm-hmm. That sounds exciting to me. And I want to have trade show booth and 20 employees, then then that's a valid path as well. And the crowdfunding will give you a lot of momentum and exposure and brand awareness, et cetera, so that, you know, you're starting off with momentum and ideally some capital that in the past would have been very, very difficult to have an equivalent launch. Mm-hmm. Um, the thing I'm afraid for for a lot of inventors is, though, they may be great at inventing, but you know, running a company is a whole other thing. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, it's a whole different uh, uh, skill. Right. Being being a good inventor means having an idea, and then having some you know mechanical, generally problem solving skills, and then if you need to hire other people to get the product development done, then it you know then the other skill is you're handy with money. You know, <laughs> like you've got enough to hire some people who know how to do stuff. Running a business, you got to know finance, you got to know marketing, you got to know sales, exactly. you got to know management of people, you got to know bookkeeping. You know, typically you're going to need e-commerce, so you're you're need graphic design and branding, and you know you're going to need leadership. And if you're a garage inventor, chances are you don't know how to have lead. all those qualities. Um, which doesn't mean you couldn't, but it's it's no guarantee just because you have a good idea that you also have all those other skills, which mm-hmm, that, that's what I'm thinking. So um, with crowdfunding, let's go to the back to that egg turner. So we got something to look at. Um, if I go right to a company and license it and they like the idea on a product like that, what am I going to be getting? 3%? What, what percent would it be? Well, licensing deals in general, historically, I would say, you know, Four to six percent was the range, and five percent being kind of like the gold standard. But you know, I've done a lot of deals. This is pre-crowdfunding. A lot of deals in the like three and four percent range, and even lower for like real commodity type items. So okay, so that but now crowdfunding, what would that bring to change the percentage up to then? Yes. Now you've got ten thousand orders. Yeah, you got if you got really good backing that proves you have market acceptance and people willing to plunk down money then um, we've been able to get as high as 7.5% royalty on the, the projects, plus a much better advance as well. So it's um, definitely giving more leverage to the inventor. And, and 7.5% is extremely very, you know, it's a very nice number. A, a well-run manufacturer, their profit after all expenses is typically in like the 10 to 12% range. That's a very efficiently well-run company so they're doing a million dollars in sales and their profits a hundred thousand after all expenses warehousing and cost goods sold insurance sales commissions 
blah, blah, blah. All these things add up. So if the person taking if the company is taking all the risk going forward, exerting all the effort, providing all the capital, and they're making 10% and the inventor is able to get 7.5%. Why would he do it? <laughs> right. I mean, it just seems like – now, if you own the company and now you're building up a company and the company has value – you know, you're building equity and equipment, you're building equity and a brand. And so like there's a potential bigger payoff, but it's very rare for one product to be powerful enough to be a whole company. So you got to be able to come up with follow on products and be willing to live the lifestyle of developing the next thing. And people who are new to it will discover quickly that developing hardware products, things that are you know physical goods, is very challenging. It's much harder than you imagine. It takes much longer and it's much more expensive. As, you know, as a rule of thumb, I'd say as much as you think it's going to cost, you know, probably double it, if not triple, double it. Or triple it. As much as time as you're going to think, think it's going to take, at least double it, maybe triple it. And as much sweat and blood as you thought it was going to take times 10, right? Like it's, right. it's a lifestyle choice. It's not for the faint of the heart. It's not for people who, you know, if if you hear $20,000 and you're like, oh, my God, that's just like a crazy amount of money, then this is not the business for you. In all honesty, this is a business for it doesn't mean you have to have $20,000 in your pocket. It means you have to hear that and think, what? A, oh, yeah, sure. I can figure out a way to come up with that. I'm up for the challenge. It's a challenge. This is not easy money. There are easier ways to make money than product development and inventing by far. And this is a high technical lots to learn lots of jargon and language and concepts none of which is intellectually challenging you like there's nothing you need like a graduate degree to understand like it's all pretty basic but lots of time but it's a lot of judgment calls a ridiculous number of judgment calls most of which are made with insufficient information to make like you know calls that you know are going to work you got to make calls based on judgment you're and if you don't have a lot of experience, then that judgment is purely based on your instincts, some of which can be developed and some of which, I mean, they all can be developed, but some of which you might have already and some of which you might not. And um, like when I got started as an inventor, I was a teenager and I was doing aquarium products and I just, I happened to be working in a market, a niche that I knew so exceptionally well because I was an aquarium fanatic when I was a teenager. And so mm -hmm. I knew what I wanted and I was actually just making the stuff I wanted. And when I made the stuff I wanted, it turned out other people wanted it. And that's when I learned that I had a knack was that, you know, the stuff that I thought would be cool, other people did as well. And if I could do that over and over and I play guitar, so I started doing guitar accessories. And my best friend was a chef and we started talking about cooking tools and we came up with stuff that worked really well. Things like the onion goggles, which have sold hundreds and hundreds of thousands of pairs. So it's, you know, not easy, though. It's, I got you. it's it's and so I, you know it's like if if people hear the numbers and they hear the challenge and it you know scares them away then you know if listening to someone on a podcast who you never met before in a few minutes can talk you out of it then probably that was a good thing you saved yourself it was a good thing yeah a lot of, <laughs> stay away from it because if if a few words out of my mouth can can stop you then you weren't nearly passionate enough and committed to it for it to actually make sense for you because this is a passion investment this is business you're, mm -hmm. you're doing because you're like you believe in the product that you're working on unless you're doing it you know at this point i've done enough products 
and been involved in enough things, I can choose passion for anything. You know, I, I can do, you want a bra storage device, I'll choose passion. I'm excited about it. You know, let's solve the problem in a new, elegant way. But for the fir- a person working on their first invention, don't ever do it to make money. Do it because you're in love with the product you're making. Do it because you are in love with the idea of being inventor an inventor and are willing to do whatever it takes and you're, you just want to learn so that you can maybe have more success the next time. Like, those are good reasons to move forward. If your only reason to go forward is I think I can make a lot of money on this idea, you're, you know, prop. There's easier, easier ways, like you said. Yeah, there's easier ways and and ways. And that probably will mean your death sentence anyway. <laughs> right. If you're casual. Right. So it's you can't do it casually, to your point. Mm-hmm. You can't do it casually. People who think, oh, I'm just going to do this on the side. Well, you can license things kind of casually, but, you know, there's still a period of time where you're investing real time and effort and money in taking the idea, getting it to a level where you can entice other people and enroll them in your vision. You know, it takes goods. It's hard to get them excited just based on uh, words and hand gestures. Now, just to go back to this, uh, I'm comparing 7% uh Royalty, if I crowdfunded and it was working, as, a, as opposed to 10% if I have my own everything, which is a big investment, and there isn't a big spread there. So for a lot of people, they're best to take the 7% and then go start another one. Yeah, I mean, that's what I would propose 9 out of 10 times. And fact, I mean, that's what I do generally. The, we have a product right now called the Carbon Flyer, which we crowdfunded. It's raised about $400,000 in Indiegogo. It's a carbon fiber airplane rc airplane that you control with your smartphone and the big thing about it is it's um crash resistant you can crash it dozens and dozens of times and it just keeps on flying it's made out of carbon fiber it's designed to survive crashes most rc planes die the day that they're taken out of the box they they crash and they break first time they crash and they're finished yeah well i we had some remote control planes when i was a kid and uh we would spend you know months my brother has spent months building these and we go out and ride them and we crash it and that would be Ooh. it <laughs> so the, yeah no that's the story you hear over and over well the car fire <laughs> doesn't doesn't break so here's here's the first product actually in in many years where i'm like yeah let's build this ourselves let's own this and so we started a spin-off company called carbon flyer with the purpose of manufacturing and selling this and we're actually you know, in the investment, even even me, you know, with my experience, having been over 80 products to market and, you know, doing this for you know, 20 years, the project cost, you know, three times as much as I thought it would and took three times as long and was 10 times as hard. Um, so how much money did you put, you have in it? Well, we raised 400000 on Indiegogo, and you know we've got about three thousand man hours in the development, and not including cost of goods sold, we've got about one hundred and fifty thousand dollars invested in developing so the Fifty k in there, yeah. and when you say three thousand hours, what do you put those hours at? A hundred bucks an hour, or what? Well, we bill out at one hundred and fifty an hour, so. So you've got uh, one hundred and fifty times three thousand there. Okay. Yeah. So that now that's. You know, we don't pay our employees 150 hours. No, but, no, but I mean, you're I, if you were I, to do it for me or some one of my listeners, you would be charging 150 hours. Yeah, so that I mean, that's a half a million dollars, right? So that's uh, incredibly uh, intensive project. It's actually 
you know, it doesn't look that complicated when you look at the product, but there's custom electronics, custom airframe, custom plastic parts, all of which had to be designed and engineered and prototyped through, you know, some, in some cases, the nose cone has had like 50 different iterations, just getting it perfect. And there's a custom camera module, there's a custom Bluetooth module, there's a custom app that allows you to steer it. We, we actually generated our own custom carbon fiber material and manufacturing process to get it as thin and light as we wanted while still keeping the strength. So an incredible number of uh, variables, and then there's identifying the factories and getting the factories on board and then refining the uh, design in order to be uh, cost reduction. So, I mean, it's just... Then all the legal costs to fight off the knockoff guys. <laughs> those, those are you haven't mentioned that part. Right. Yet. Well, we haven't gotten on the market yet, so that'll come later. <laughs> right. That'll be next year's. Uh, yeah, you'll be having your next challenge. What Amazon's going to deliver their products using a? Well, they're they're using quadcopter drones. Like the Carbon Flyer is is an airplane, so it zooms around like constantly moving forward, mm-hmm. and is you know relatively low precision control whereas like the amazon uh is talking about using big quadcopters that obviously can hover they can move straight up and down and so why not make the quadcopters out of your material i guess is what i was getting at oh well whew, man turns out making flying things is very 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 challenging in terms of hour to weight ratios and things like that um and actually many Drones are made out of carbon fiber at, uh, at the higher end. It's just it's a very expensive oh, okay. material. The reason why it works so well with the carbon flyer is because the nature of the shape is that we're using single ply, one layer thick of carbon fiber material. So mm-hmm. it's it's very light and it flies kind of like I mean it looks kind of like a paper airplane. And but couldn't they do that with a quadcopter? Uh, you know. We've got some ideas around how to, like, you know, create a quadcopter using our material and the technique. But, you know, right now we're still mostly focused on getting it, you know, plane. Plane, yeah. Well, just that there's such a big demand now that everyone's going crazy with these quadcopters that, uh, <laughs> that it seems like it might be a good business, especially if you had a special angle that hey you can crash ours and so right. it works yeah we we were filming this uh the carbon flyers thing about a tv show called all american makers which is kind of like shark tank on uh science channel oh, and yeah. during the show we did a side-by-side comparison where we flew ours at top speed into a brick wall uh-huh. i don't know a dozen times and uh-huh. just kept crashing it and flying and crashing it and flying it. And actually, one time, one of the hosts actually karate kicked it out of the air accidentally. Well, he, the guy who was steering it almost hit him, and he, like, jumped back and booted it out of the sky. Um, <laughs> kicked, kicked off one of the props, but we just put it back together and kept flying. And then we took a $150 quadcopter, took it out of the package, flew it, bumped it oh so gently into the wall. It wasn't even like – they were like, oh, that wasn't – you know, they didn't even think they hit at the wall hard enough. Uh-huh. They only gave it like a foot head start. Yep. And then like, let's try that again. Well, they couldn't try it again because even with that little bump, it broke the quadcopter. It was over. <laughs> yeah, it was over. Okay. You're like, there goes 150 bucks. So carbon. Now, copter. how much does your plane, what would your plane retail compared to this 150 copter? Uh, it's, it'll be $189, I believe. So 
So you're almost the same price. Almost the same price. It's and indestructible. Indescript- indestructible. I don't want to say it's indestructible because that's like a daring people. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm going to shoot it with a shotgun. Let's see if it survives. But, but this, it, it will survive crashes. And um, the thing is also that it's a big piece of carbon fiber. I mean, it's a super cool thing. Like it's just a really beautiful piece of technology that. Even if it's not flying, just sitting on your desk, it's just a it's pretty nice cool yeah. item. Uh, like now, uh, your markup on an item like that—did you go for seven times, or there's no way you can make it that cheap? Oh yeah, no, no way, nowhere near seven times, nowhere near seven times. I'm afraid. But you you really can't make money if it's not at least triple, right? Right. Well, a typical rule of thumb is you want four x, you know, right. is like standard because that allows you to get. Make some profit. Yeah. Well, you can get the retailer. It's going to, you know, they're going to. He's going to want it at half. He's going to want it at half. And then if you have a distributor, they're going to want 20 points. And so you can get, you know, between 30 and 50 points yourself uh, at wholesale. And then you can have direct consumer sales, which can have nicer profit. Or you can, you know, spend more to generate the leads to make the sales. So, you know, we're, we're, uh, trying to get to 4x with our pricing. That's our goal. Um, well, your first ones, if you could break even, you'd be happy probably. But uh, as soon as you get to the China level and you're making a 10,000 at a time or something. Yeah, yeah. That's once we get scaled up. But the great news is it's a product where we have proven market demand. We've sold $400,000 worth to people who you know, know, <laughs> know they're not getting it today, which is... Now, when you, when you sold, that was through... Uh, um, Indiegogo. Indiegogo. Uh, when you did the Indiegogo, did you sell it at your full retail or did you give them a discount? Half off. Oh, so you sold to them at a wholesale level. Yeah. So that's so that's, ninety bucks or something. Yeah, hundred bucks. Hundred. You know now. Hundred dollars. Yeah. Now we're like one twenty nine. Um. So you know. And how, in your delivery time, what what did you? Uh, we're shooting uh, for promise people. We're shooting for December. Originally, we were hoping for a couple months uh, earlier, but uh, as happens, it's you know, like I said, hardware. They call it hardware because it's hard, and they should call it very hardware. It's uh, <laughs> so you so uh, for an Indiegogo uh, uh, project, you probably still got to figure six months before you're in deliver. Yeah, so we were developing the project, and then the company that's developing our circuitry for us, we got our first samples of our circuit boards from the factory mm-hmm. and discovered a, an error that needed to be, you know, they needed to be slightly redesigned. It was like almost right, but it wasn't quite right. Well, the redesign took eight weeks. Wow. You know, which is not... And a few dollars, too. Well, actually, it was their mistake, so they didn't charge us for it, which is oh, okay. great. You know, but it, you know, but it cost us eight weeks, and eight weeks is two months, and so people get mad. Well, you know, that's you know, as long as you stay in good communication, most people are very understanding that you know they've learned enough. Crowdfunding has done actually an interesting thing. People used to have no idea what it took to get things made. Mm-hmm. Now that you know, pretty much anyone who follows crowdfunding and and invest there has a sense of what it takes because they've seen it enough times of like, Oh, these challenges are not atypical. And so most people are very understanding as, as long as you stay in communication. Now there's always a contingent of people who 
Oh, they're going to complain no matter what you did. And so you just learn to tune them out. There's, you know, haters will be haters. And mm-hmm. Really, uh, you know, we find that when, as long as we're being upfront and open, when they're understanding. Right. And, if, and if, even to the point where, like, some people will be haters on the comments and other people will step in and be like, hey, you know, they're doing the best they can. And obviously we're doing the best we can. I mean, we put 3000 man hours into it. It's all, it's been our single largest uh, project that we've focused attention on and never uh, skimped on it for one second, but it's just, it's as hard as it turns out to be, which is much harder than we initially imagined because, uh, you know, we always underestimate, underestimate. <laughs> even grizzled veterans underestimated it. Uh-huh. Now, are you going to license this plane? Or are you going to just keep it for yourself? Uh, well, the initial vision is to sell it ourselves and then to see where it goes. Once we're up and running, we're open to any number of possibilities, which could include licensing it, could include selling Carbon Flyer altogether, or it could just be making and selling uh, personal drones from now until, you know, the force. Yeah, I would think there's a great application for drones with your product. Yeah, yeah, it's... It's got a built-in camera, so it technically qualifies as as a little bit of a drone already. But yeah, it's there's a lot of opportunities for both personal entertainment drones as well as working drones, um, all of which are areas where we've put some thought. But you know, right now uh, our focus is on you know entertainment, you know, flying fun type thing. So we, we've got ideas for future drone uh, versions of the carbon flyer that would be lower cost. Around, you know, we'd love to get one in the hundred dollar price point, and then we also look at higher costs around three hundred bucks, with more control surfaces giving you greater maneuverability. Um, though it's one of those things where you know the higher end model will cost more to develop and make less money. So you know, most of our focus right now is on how do we get this hundred dollar version made. Mm-hmm. But filming is what an application for this kind of thing. I mean, you can look like a Hollywood. <laughs> production yeah it's it's super fun it's like definitely what used to be a a very rarefied capability has now become available to anyone you know with a hundred bucks you can get a little quadcopter with a camera and zoom around the sky Mm -hmm. and film you know what's happening below so it's amazing all right what what would be your for the would-be inventors and some of them are further down the road and have already maybe had a couple of inventions but uh what would be your recommend what would be your final parting words to encourage them uh chris uh you know the only way you fail is if you quit so just you know if you're compassionately committed to your product keep pushing forward and be willing to shift don't be so married to your idea or the version of your idea that you ignore overwhelming evidence that, you know, a shift might serve you, um, educate yourself. There's a tremendous amount of information available for free or paid and like, really like take the time to educate yourself and understand the, you know, ins and outs of commercializing products that it's, you know, one of the things I mentioned earlier about being shocked how many people are willing to spend money without doing research, it's also always surprising to me how people are willing to spend money but don't want to take the time to educate themselves about how the world of product development works. It's not magic. It's not mysterious. It follows very normal business practices and methodologies, and it's all available for learning if you take the time. So 
take the time, educate yourself. It's a very cool way to make money and make a living. I love it. And, you know, despite its, you know, riskiness or whatever, from the moment I started it first time and had my first product on the shelf and I saw someone at a store, you know, pick up one of my algae scrapers and put it in their cart. And I was like, man, this is what I'm going to do. It was very exciting. And, and, um, and you can make really good money at it. And I, I make a, a very, you know, comfortable living as an inventor. I've got 20 employees and we're just every day I wake up and I pinch myself. I'm like, what I do for a living is a blessing. You know, most people work for a living. I play with 3d printers and, and talented designers and 3d animation. I mean, it's, it's just such a fun, dynamic and interesting career to, to be in. So I, I recommend it. I think it's a wonderful thing to do. You just also get to come at it with eyes open that this is not like get rich quick, easy money. This is a, you know, a great place though, if you're passionate and committed to, uh, make a living and, and it is possible. perfect. Now, if people would like to get a hold of you because this is a podcast, some people will hear this on their radio in their car and they'll never go to the website to see the show notes. Uh, please give us your contact information. Yeah. So my website's trident-design.com, T-R-I-D-E-N-T-Design.com. And you can tweet at me at inventor Chris. I have a blog at inventorsmind.com where I also have some videos where I educate people on inventing and commercializing products. And yeah, that's, that's the best way to get a hold of me. So if you've uh, got an idea, you're thinking about pursuing it, come to Trident, submit your idea, talk to one of our people and, and you know, you could find out pretty quickly whether or not there is some possibility there or whether or not you should maybe just you know, think about something else and move on to being a pastor. So, but like a lot of times that can be a great service. People have been thinking about ideas for years and years and years, wondering if it's worth pursuing. We can help answer that question quickly and, you know, dispel the, uh, the mystery. That is super. Well, thank you uh, for this interview, Chris, and I'm sure a lot of people have been helped by it. I know I have, and uh, I can see an uh, in Indigo. I didn't realize Indigo in some ways is better than uh, Kickstarter from what you're saying, and I know Kickstarter is a little hard to work with because they, there isn't much correspondence there, and you don't know you know, why they accept you or don't accept you, and uh, other, uh, obviously Indigo is willing to talk to you. Yeah, I mean, I think Kickstarter is great. They're just, they do things their way, and, and Indiegogo is a little more accessible and open, so, you know, as a business, they're easier to interact with for us, but, you know, for an individual just running a campaign, it's probably, you know, fairly equal. But. Probably be the same. All right. Super. Okay, Chris, uh, maybe in the future we can talk to you again and just see what new projects you're working on and uh, look forward to doing that. No problem, sir. Thank, thanks for having me on the show. I greatly appreciate it. Okay. Thanks, Chris. And cheers. Okay. Bye now. Thank you for listening to Income for Baby Boomers with your host, Ken Queen. Helping boomers like you get a business started, you can run from your own home. We interview owners of both online and offline businesses, but most importantly, ones that are run by baby boomers. Stay tuned next week for new and exciting businesses that you can start from your home. Until next time, have a profitable and blessed week. <laughs>